everyone. Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison, and this is a podcast where I usually talk to a new horror fan every week, but this is my October monthly recap. We'll be back with another episode with an actual horror fan. Well, I am an actual horror fan, but with a new horror fan next week. But this is my October What I Watched update, and there was a lot. I somehow managed to watch 52 movies last month. I don't know how. I'm going to attribute it to being unemployed and also to Brooklyn Horror Film Festival and also my week spent recovering at the end of the month and Halloween. So let's get into it. The first movie I watched actually wasn't a horror movie. It was called Uncle Buck and I rented it on Amazon with my now ex-boyfriend. It's about an alcoholic uncle who's like a train wreck and he gets asked to watch his sister's kids while she's away. This is a John Hughes movie that nobody ever really talks about. So it was cute. I was also super tired while I was watching it. If you're looking for something fun and light to watch, why not this one? I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. So this month I had also challenged myself to watch 15 movies that I have never seen before. There were blind spots for me. So the first movie on that list that I watched was Wes Craven's New Nightmare. This is on HBO Max in the US. In this meta horror film, a demonic entity uses the fictional character of Freddy Krueger to enter the real world and torment Elm Street heroine Heather Langenkamp and her family. So I liked this one enough. This is the only pre-90s horror franchise that I actually found entertaining. And with the meta-ness of this chapter, it was definitely a precursor to Scream, which I loved, which everyone told me about it before I saw it. So I give this one 3.5 stars on Letterboxd. The next movie I watched was a recommendation, and it's called Mayhem. It is on Amazon Prime. You can stream it free. It's about a virus spreading through an office complex causing white-collar workers to act out their worst impulses. It sort of reminded me of the sadness in that way, but it's not as brutal as the sadness, for sure. Samara Weaving and Steven Ewan are in it, and they are both great. So this was timely watching, having just lived through a pandemic, or are we still in it? I don't know. I liked it. It was fine. I'll never watch it again, though. I gave this 3.5 stars on Letterboxd, too. The next movie that I watched was maybe one of my favorites of last month of the new stuff that I watched. I watched a movie called American Mary. It's on Amazon Prime and Shudder for free. It's about a young medical student who's struggling to pay her tuition and is drawn into the shady world of underground body modification. So yeah, badass woman getting revenge and paying for medical school using her skills. It made me squirm a lot. It was a little hard to watch, but I also loved it. I gave this four stars on Letterboxd. The next was House of the Devil. This is streaming on Amazon Prime. It's about, in the 1980s, a college student named Samantha Hughes takes a strange babysitting job that coincides with a full lunar eclipse. She slowly realizes her clients harbor a terrifying secret. This is directed by Ty West, and I don't think that Ty West is my director. I did not, I didn't hate Pearl, but it was just kind of like, meh to me. And I watched three Ty West movies this month, and I only liked one of them. So I think his stuff is maybe just a little bit too slow for me. There were parts of The House of the Devil that I liked, but overall I thought it was kind of 
boring. I give this 2.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched a new Stephen King adaptation on Netflix called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. It's about Craig, a young boy living in a small town who befriends an older reclusive billionaire, Mr. Harrigan. The two form a, clo a close bond over books and an iPhone, but when the man passes away, the boy discovers that not everything dead is gone. I thought this was very atmospheric, very appropriate for fall. I found it creepy and entertaining, and I never got bored. I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Night of the Hunter, which is one of my friend Michael's favorite movies. I got this from the library, but you can rent it on Amazon. So, a false preacher ingratiates himself with a dead man's family to find where he hid money from a robbery. I wrote on Letterboxd that I liked the old woman who sat on her porch with a shotgun protecting the little kids, but otherwise this was not a horror movie and I was falling asleep. I gave this two stars on Letterboxd. Sorry. Next, I watched The Gallows. It's streaming on Hulu. 20 years after a horrific accident during a small town school play, students at the school resurrect the failed show in a misguided attempt to honor the anniversary of the tragedy, but soon discover that some things are better left alone. I'd heard about this for a couple of years and that it was about high school drama club and I'm so glad I finally watched it because I totally loved it. As a former high school drama club nerd, I couldn't relate to these kids more and it was just so creepy to think about being in my high school in the dark and being locked in. And this is found footage too. Nobody ever talks about it when they talk about found footage movies and I really want to own a copy of this. I gave this 3.5 stars on Letterboxd. The next movie I watched was The Innkeepers. This is streaming on Amazon Prime. During the final days at the Yankee Peddler Inn, two employees determined to reveal the hotel's haunted past begin to experience disturbing events as old, as old guests check in for a stay. I didn't realize that this was a more modern film. For some reason, I thought it was a 1960s movie. This is another Ty West movie that I found to be pretty boring, again, for the most part. Not a whole lot happens. I liked it better than House of the Devil, though. I give this three stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched The Frighteners, which I also had never seen before. This is on Amazon Prime. Once, once an architect, Frank Bannister now passes himself off as an exorcist of evil spirits. To bolster his facade, he claims his special gift is the result of a car accident that kills his wife. But what he does not count on is more people dying in the small town where he lives. Okay, so... Even though this came out the same around the same time as Scream, I should have technically liked it, but I was so bored. And rereading that summary, I don't remember half of those things happening in it. This is too long. Not my thing. I gave it two stars on Letterboxd. The next movie I watched was Fright Night. This is streaming on Hulu. I watched the remake. So this is about a teenager who suspects his new neighbor is a vampire. Unable to convince anyone, he tries to enlist the help of a self-proclaimed vampire hunter and, mag and magician. Okay, so I watched the remake, like I said, from 2011, and what an awesome cast. Anton Yalchin, R.I.P., Tony Collette, and Imogen Poots. I should have loved it, but it was just a tad too slow for me, and I don't really like vampire movies. I give this three, th three stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watch Deadstream on Shudder. A disgraced internet personality attempts to win back his followers by live streaming one night alone in a haunted house. So, like I wrote in my letterbox review, this was neither funny nor scary, and I think I realized why after. It's like a live stream version of Evil Dead, and I don't like the original Evil Dead. I do like Melanie Stone, though, who's been popping up in a lot of things lately. She was great. I give this two stars on Letterboxd. 
I would not recommend it unless you like The Evil Dead. But I and I've heard that a lot of people are liking it, so take take my opinion with a grain of salt. The next thing I watched was Grim Cuddy. It's streaming on Shudder. It's about a suburban teen girl and her little brother who must stop a terrifying internet meme brought to life by the hysteria of their parents. This was really dumb. I think the filmmakers were going for a commentary on how a lot of parents overreact to things and cause a lot of hysteria where there shouldn't be. I think they showed Grim Cuddy too much and he looked just really weird and not scary. I imagine that this is how bad the movie Slender Man was. I gave this one star on Letterboxd. The next movie I watched was The Sacrament and it's streaming on Vudu. I had commercials, but whatever. I think it was fine. I knew this was found footage, so I was excited for it. And this was the one, the one Ty West movie that I was looking forward to. It's about a fashion photographer who is traveling to meet his sister at Eden Parish. Once there, his friends begin to film interviews with the Eden Parish inhabitants, all of whom speak of the commune in glowing terms. So yeah, Ty West movie that I liked, praise Jesus. I love the found footage aspect, the cult aspect, and I thought it was great. Two thumbs up, and I want to see this remade with John Goodman as the cult leader, though, because from the poster art, I thought it was John Goodman, but it is not. I gave this four stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched not technically a horror movie, but sort of a horror movie, a new movie that came to Netflix called Luckiest Girl Alive. Trigger warning, it's about a woman who was gang raped at a high school party. It's about a successful woman in New York City finds her life upended when she is forced to confront the dark truth that threatens to unravel her meticulously crafted life. Mila Kunis is a national treasure and she killed it in this. This was a hard but necessary watch. All high school boys and probably college and probably men in general should have to watch this. I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. So then the next day started the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival and I watched 12 films in I think seven days. So the first one, the opening night, was a movie called Nasibo. Let's see, Letterboxd says that it's streaming on something called Pantaflix, but I don't, I don't actually know what that is, so you may just have to wait until it gets bought by another streaming service. It's about a fashion designer who hires a nanny from the Philippines to assist her in caring for her family while she is suffering from what she believes to be a tick-related illness. I thought this was really, really interesting and great to see some Filipino horror. There was a lot of social commentary in this one, which I wasn't expecting. So in general, yeah, I mean, I always say don't go in the tall grass because then you'll get bit by a tick and you'll get Lyme disease. So I give this one 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. It was a great start to the festival. Next, I saw Jethika on at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. This is not streaming anywhere. Hiding out in New Mexico after a freak accident, Elena runs into Jessica, an old friend from high school. When Jessica's stalker suddenly shows up at their door, they must seek help from beyond the grave to get rid of him for good. So this was entertaining and it made me squirm because of male entitlement. It was supernatural and it kind of, I don't know, it felt a little bit like two different movies, but I didn't hate it. I gave this 3.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I saw, I don't know if it was the East Coast premiere, but one of the premieres of VHS 99. This is now streaming on Shutter, but I saw this a week early. It didn't come out. Um, I saw this at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. This is about a teenager's home video that leads to a series of horrifying revelations. I did not get that from all of the different segments. This was my first exposure to a VHS anthology and I did not like it. 
I made myself go see it because I had never watched a VHS before and I wanted to be, you know, forced to sit there in the dark and watch it, not have any distractions. But this it was not great. Segments were roars towards women and I don't I don't need that. I gave this one star on Letterboxd. Next at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, I saw a movie called Something in the Dirt. This is not streaming anywhere. It's showing in a couple of major cities this week or next week. So Google it. When neighbors John and Levi witness supernatural events in their LA apartment building, they realize documenting the paranormal could inject some fame in, and fortune into their wasted lives. That sounds kind of like the premise for Nope. But I went to see this because Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead were doing a Q&A after, and although The Endless wasn't exactly my thing, I thought I'd give this a try. This was not my thing either, and it was not scary at all, but I enjoyed the performances. This was filmed during lockdown in Benson and Moorhead's actual apartments, and they actually live on top of one another, which is just adorable. I gave this 2.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I streamed Halloween Ends on Peacock. Um, I think we all know what this is about. This is the end of the Halloween trilogy. And this was just absolutely terrible. Nothing happened. And who's this male babysitter? The dialogue was poorly written in Halloween Kills, but there was a lot of gore to distract you from it. I paused during the first scene too to make sure I had the right movie on, which is never a great sign. I gave this half a star on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Jack Be Nimble at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. You could rent this on Amazon or iTunes. So this is a 1993 horror movie, I say that in quotes, from New Zealand. It's about Jack and Dora abandoned by their parents as babies and they're desperate to find each other after years of adoption. Jack's young life has been spent with a sadistic family. Dora, whose life has been somewhat better, has developed extrasensory powers which tell her that Jack's in danger and drives her to search for him. So this was my first New Zealand horror film that I've ever seen, and it was really weird. And it feels like it was made in the 80s and not the early 90s. It was not my thing, but hearing Certified Forgotten's Matt Monagle and Matt Donato, who you may remember from an episode from last December, talk about it with Karen Coleman about how it was lost and is now being found again made me appreciate it, even though it's not for me. I give this 2.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched, I think it was like the East Coast premiere of a movie that was picked up by Amazon Studios called Run, Sweetheart, Run. It is now streaming on Amazon. A woman runs for her life through the streets of Los Angeles after her blind date suddenly turns violent. So this is going to gross a lot of people out and good. I can't wait to hear the reactions to this. I haven't heard anyone talking about watching it yet. So I really hope that people eventually will. I really, really enjoyed it. There's a talk back with the director and some of the cast too. Go stream this on Amazon, especially if you're a woman. I give this four stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Give Me an A at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. And it's not streaming anywhere yet, but I hope it will be soon. It's a series of shorts about the horrors of Roe versus Wade being overturned, all by female directors. It was great. I could only stay for half of this because I had to go catch Run, Sweetheart, Run. But I really enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy short stories about adults being prosecuted for murder over things like unused embryos after IVF. I give it five stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Nightmare at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. You can't stream it anywhere yet, but hopefully that'll change soon. Mona moves into a big apartment in an old apartment building with her boyfriend Robbie who has just landed his dream job and she soon 
falls pregnant with their first child. She is plagued by bad dreams, and when the newborn baby next door dies, her crippling nightmares intensify night after night. Mona begins to believe that the creature is very real and that it is seeking to enter our world through her unborn child. This was described on Brooklyn Horror Film Fest's website as Norway's response to Rosemary's Baby, and it was like a modern-day Rosemary's Baby in, in some aspects. And, you know, when, when Mona realizes she's pregnant, she's like, I don't know if I want to be. I really related to her by telling her partner that she might not want kids. I gave this 3.5 stars on Letterboxd. The next thing I saw at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival was Ghost Written. Clinging to the reputation of his one-hit novel, writer Guy Laurie accepts a writer's residency on a reclusive island whose residents seem friendly at first. The discovery of a lost manuscript and its possible ties to a long-standing local murder case, however, throw into question the intentions of everyone around him. I liked that Mark Duplass's brother, Jay, was in this, but honestly, I can't really remember a lot about this movie. This was kind of like sinister mixed with that other movie about a guy who publishes a manuscript that he finds in a briefcase as his own. I give this one three stars on Letterboxd. So next was a movie that I watched at home. I watched Fatal Attraction. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. A married married man's one night stand comes back to haunt him when that lover begins to stalk him and his family. I'd been wanting to watch this one for a while because I love Swim Fan and honestly Michael Douglas is a dick and gets what's coming to him. Don't cheat on your wife, men. I give this one 3.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, I saw the movie Repulse. The lives of two families have nothing in common other than heavy emotional dysfunction, and they randomly collide and spiral into a web of abduction, filth, terror, and death in this disturbing and unique knockout. So this is Czech horror, um, and it is a movie that left the audience feeling dirty, Oh my goodness. I'm not really sure what happened towards the end. I think I missed something in the subtitles, but it sort of reminded me of Don't Breathe. It's a brutal watch and it's up there with like Eden Lake and Martyrs for me. I never need to see this again. This I gave three stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched The Ring. You can rent this one on Amazon, but I of course own it. It's my all-time favorite horror movie. We all know what it's about. I'm not going to read a summary. So it was The Ring's 20th birthday, so I had to rewatch it. I gave it five stars, of course, on Letterboxd. Next, I watched At Home as part of my list of movies that I wanted to watch. I watched The Green Inferno. This is on Netflix. I think it's leaving or has left really recently, so I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. So you can you know, rent it on Amazon Prime. So it's about a group of student activists who travel from New York City to the Amazon to save the rainforest. However, once they arrive in the vast green landscape, they soon discover that they are not alone and that no good deed goes unpunished. I had been told that this Eli Roth classic was really brutal, and it really wasn't. I didn't find it that brutal. I don't know if I'm desensitized, but the characters were horrible, per usual, with an Eli Roth movie. I didn't hate it, but I won't watch it again. But I have to say that the first few scenes I was screaming the entire time because they were filmed at places that I go regularly within blocks of my apartment and I loved it. I gave this 2.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival I watched The Harbinger. Monique leaves her family quarantined to help a friend who's suffering from terrible nightmares but she learns too late that the bad dreams are contagious along with the demons behind them. So this is how you do COVID quarantine horror right. 
Contagious Bad Dreams, Annoying Neighbors Who Won't Wear a Mask in Common Areas, A Commentary on Collective Trauma. This was great. I loved it. As much as you can love a movie like this, I give it four stars on Letterboxd. Next was the last movie that I saw at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, and I was so excited for this one. It's called Mother May I. Enters into a nightmarish game of therapy with his wife, Anya, who has inexplicably taken on the persona of his estranged and recently deceased mother. Bizarre and creepy in equal doses. So a very, very weird movie. But I love Kyle Goner, who was one of the two stars, so I was really happy to see him in this. And, you know... What would you do if your partner took on the persona of your mother? I mean, that's pretty fucked up. I gave this 3.5 stars on Letterboxd. Okay, so now we are back to just me watching movies at home and checking off movies on my list of movies that I should see but have never seen. So I watched Raw. This is streaming on Netflix. In Justine's family, everyone is a vet and a vegetarian. At 16, she's a gifted teen ready to take on her first year in vet school where her older sister also studies. There, she gets no time to settle in. Hazing starts right away. Justine is forced to eat raw meat and for the first time in her life, unexpected consequences emerge as her true self begins to form. This was way harder to watch than The Green Inferno, so beware, at least in my opinion. I found this so effective, I was squirming. It was great. I loved it. I gave this 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Hell House LLC. This is streaming on Amazon Prime or Shudder. This is about Five years after an unexplained malfunction causes the death of 15 tour goers and staff on the opening night of a Halloween haunted house tour, Henry Crew travels back to the scene of the tragedy to find out what really happened. I love this movie. If you watch it in the dark, it is never not creepy. I watch this once a year, you know, around this time. I gave it 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. The sequels are not as good. They're probably like 2, 2.5 stars, but they give you more details about the house and the story of the house. So, I mean, do it that way what you will. I would check them out just once. Next, I watched Wreck. You can rent it on Amazon, but my friend lent me a copy of his, so I got to watch that. A television reporter and cameraman follow emergency workers into a dark apartment building and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. This was my first time watching this, and I watched the original Spanish language version with subtitles, and I really liked it. It's really effective. Is it my favorite found footage movie? Not by long shot, but it is worth the hype. I give this four stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Mandy. You can stream this on Amazon Prime or Shudder. The Shadow Mountains in 1983 and Red and Mandy are leading a loving and peaceful existence, but when they're pine-scented haven is savagely destroyed. Red is catapulted into a phantasmagoric journey filled with bloody revenge and laced with fire. Okay, so I tried watching this once before maybe like a year ago, and I remember the plot being completely different. One of them dies very near the beginning, and I do not remember that happening when I first tried to watch this. This movie is super weird. You do not need to take hallucinogenics before watching it because you kind of feel like you're taking hallucinogenics while you're watching it. I didn't hate it, but it's not really my cup of tea. But Nick Cage, so yeah, it's great. He's great in it, I guess. I would watch Willy's Wonderland first, but it was way too long. It did not need to be two hours. I give this two stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Ready or Not. You can rent this on Amazon, but I own it. 
a bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. I just wanted to rewatch this because I love Smara Weaving. Is this a comfort movie for me now? Maybe. Yeah, this one's so much fun, plus Adam Brody. Uh, I gave this 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched You're Next. You can rent this on Amazon. I own it, so I, you know, just watch it on Blu-ray. When the Davidson family comes under attack during their wedding anniversary getaway, the gang of mysterious killers soon learns that one of their victims harbors a secret talent for fighting back. This is another rewatch for me, a comfort rewatch maybe? It's just such a good movie with a great badass woman as a protagonist, and some Halloween I will go as Erin for Halloween. I just didn't go out this year. I gave this 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched The Hunger Games. This is streaming on Amazon Prime. We all know what this is about. Every year in the ruins of what was once North America, the nation of Pan Am forces each of its 12 districts to send a teenage boy or girl to compete in the Hunger Games. So it's kind of like, or it's very much like Battle Royale, but I like these movies better than Battle Royale. Don't tell anyone. I love these books and these movies, and I love rewatching them. Five stars on Letterboxd. So the first movie I watched after I got home from the hospital after my surgery was The Nightmare Before Christmas. You can stream this on Disney+. Plus. Again, I own this. So tired of scaring humans every October 31st with the same old bag of tricks, Jack Skellington, this king of Halloween town, kidnaps Santa Claus and plans to deliver shrunken heads and other ghoulish gifts to children on Christmas morning. I chose this because... When I was at the hospital meeting with my surgeon before my surgery, she was wearing Nightmare Before Christmas flats, so I was inspired. I love this movie so much. I gave it 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. After that, I decided to keep it going with my Hunger Games marathon, and I watched Catching Fire. You can stream this for free on Amazon Prime, and, you know, this is the the quarter quell where Katniss has to go back into the arena with PETA, and then they kind of take down the games. Well, there's a plot behind them. I won't. I won't give it away. Yeah, I give this 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Mockingjay Part 1. This is also streaming for free on Amazon Prime. Katniss Everdeen reluctantly becomes a symbol of a mass rebellion against the autocratic capital. My thoughts? I love it. Four stars on Letterboxd. I need to watch Mockingjay Part 2 or rewatch it because I didn't get to again in the last month while I was recovering. Next, I went to go see Nosferatu on the Friday before Halloween. I watched it inside the cathedral around the corner from me, and it was great. So a lot of this is actually quite funny and not scary, and it was cool to see on the big screen in like such a spooky space. I like the lore behind the Stoker estate trying to have every copy of Nosferatu destroyed, and they managed, except somebody hit a copy, and that's where we get all of our copies now. So, you know, I'm glad to see this once. I'll probably never watch it again. I gave this three stars on Letterboxd. I came home from that and I decided to put on Sleepy Hollow. So you can rent this on Amazon. I own it. I watch the DVD. It's about New York detective Ichabod Crane, who is sent to Sleepy Hollow to investigate a series of murders. I love this movie. It's probably my favorite Tim Burton movie of all time. And I think it's required watching for every fall. You can also watch it in November and it's still just as effective. I gave this five stars on Letterboxd. The next movie I watched was Scream 5. You can rent this on Amazon. I own it though. 25 years after a streak of brutal murder shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, a new killer has donned the ghost face mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. I saw this three times in theaters, and it's dark, and it's brutal, and I love it. 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched The People Under the Stairs. This was a first-time watch for me. It's on Peacock. When young Poindexter, 
aka Fool, breaks into a creepy, immense old home of his family's greedy and uncaring landlords, he uncovers a disturbing scenario underneath the stairs. This was like a Jordan Peele movie before Jordan Peele was a thing. I don't think I'll rewatch it again anytime soon, but I really, I actually enjoyed it enough. I gave this three stars on Letterboxd. So next I watched The Houses October Belt. You can rent this on Amazon, but again, I own it. Beneath the fake blood and cheap masks of countless haunted house attractions across the country, there are whispers of truly terrifying alternatives. And this is about a group of adults, I I don't know, 20-somethings who travel around in an RV and are making a documentary trying to find the most intense haunt. And then shit starts going wrong. I enjoyed this rewatch a little less than the last couple of times I watched it because some of the guys on the crew are just so annoying. But if you've never seen it, I would definitely recommend it at least once. I gave it 3.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched Barbarian, which is now streaming on HBO Max. In town for a job interview, a young woman arrives at her Airbnb late at night only to find that it has been mistakenly double booked and a strange man is already staying there. I turned the lights off and it was still effective even on a smaller screen. I love this one. It's great. I don't think it'll ever get old. I gave this 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched In the Mouth of Madness. You can rent this on Amazon. With the disappearance of hack horror writer Sutter Kane, all hell is breaking loose, literally. Author Kane, it seems, has a knack for a description that really brings evil, creepy crawlies to life. Oh, who wrote this description? So, I liked this. It was it was entertaining. I'll never rewatch it. But it was so 90s that it kind of felt like an extended episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I gave this three stars on Letterboxd. Next, for a group watch with some friends online, I watched We Have Always Lived in the Castle. This is on Amazon Prime. You can stream it for free. In Shirleyville, Vermont, during the 60s, sisters Maricat and Constance, along with their ailing Uncle Julian, confined to a wheelchair, live isolated in a big mansion located on the hill overlooking the town, tormented by the memories of a family tragedy occurred over six years ago. Okay, so this was very atmospheric and creepy, and it got really uncomfortable to watch towards the end, but I think that was the point. I'm never moving to a small town. But the performances were great. I loved it. Vera Farmiga's sister, Thaisa Farmiga, is great, and she should be in more stuff. I loved it. I give this four stars on Letterboxd. Next, I watched The Invisible Man, which I got from my library, but you can rent it on Amazon. When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune she suspects his death was a hoax i love this reimagining of the invisible man i'm so sad i did not get to see it in theaters before everything shut down from the pandemic it's excellent i need to own this i give this four stars on letterboxd next i watched we're almost done I watched 10 Cloverfield Lane, also got this from the library, but you can rent it on, on Amazon. After getting in a car accident, a woman is held in a shelter with two men who claim that the outside world is affected by a widespread chemical attack. This was my first time rewatching this in a while, and John Goodman's character made me very uncomfortable, but John Goodman, again, should be in everything. This cast is phenomenal. I love them. I give this 3.5 stars. The last thing that I watched on Halloween and in the month of October was the original Suspiria from 1977. Back when I had spoken to Blair Bathory in September, she had you know, begged me to watch this. So I said, yes, finally I will. This will be what I watch in October. So I streamed this on Vudu. It's like literally, you can't rent it anywhere. You can't stream it anywhere else. So Suspiria, as you may or may not know, 
From the moment she arrives in Germany to attend a prestigious Tanz Academy, an American ballet dancer, Susie Banyan senses that something horribly evil lurks within the walls of the aged, age-old institution. So this is very... I had only seen the remake before, and it's fun. This movie is very pretty visually, but oh my goodness, the acting is terrible. And I had some somebody try to justify that it's because of the dubbing, but I don't think hearing their actual voices in Italian would make their acting any better. I don't know. Let me know if I'm wrong. I'm glad actors are better at acting nowadays. So this was very pretty. I enjoyed it. I think I enjoy, I enjoy the remake better because I remember there being more dancing, more actual dancing in the remake too. Plus, I love Dakota Johnston. So I gave this 2.5 stars on Letterboxd. So that was everything that I watched in October. That was very long. Thank you for sticking with me. I will not be watching 52 movies again in November, employed or not. So let me know. I think my favorite thing that I watched, the favorite new thing that I watched was actually American Mary. You know, I just, I really enjoyed it. Badass woman getting revenge on her professor for raping her. Or Raw, because Raw was really, really, really effective. And then Brooklyn Horror Film Festival was great too. So, all right, that's it. Thank you for listening. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Who's their pod? Who's their podcast? Or you can go to who's their podcast.com or email me at who's their PC at gmail.com and I will talk to you soon.